Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Peter Shankman with me. The New York Times has called him a public relations all-star who knows everything about new media and then some, while Investors Business Daily has labeled him crazy but effective. Peter is an author, entrepreneur, speaker, and worldwide connector. Peter is recognized worldwide for radically new ways of thinking about customer service, social media, PR, marketing, and advertising. Peter is best known for founding Help a Reporter Out, Harrow, which in under a year became the de facto standard for thousands of journalists looking for sources. Welcome. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, Peter. In uh, 2007, you have founded Harrow. How did you get the idea for it? You know, I'm a big believer in helping people. I grew up in New York City. Um, as a public school kid, and one of the things I learned was that you know if you want something, it's good to give something back first. So I learned to help people as an early age, and I talked to everyone. You know, I have really, really bad ADD, so I talked to everyone, and I talked to a lot of people, and I know a lot of reporters. I just met them over time running a PR firm, and they'd call me and they'd say, "Hey, you know, um, who do we know? Um, do you know anyone who could do this? Do you know anyone who could help? I'm doing a story on whatever." And over time, I'd say, "Yeah, I do." Um, let me put you in touch with someone, and it just sort of became – it grew from that. So what, what I love about Harrow is um, – actually, why don't you tell what Harrow is? Maybe there's some few people in the audience don't know. Uh, briefly, you could describe what Harrow is. Help a Reporter is a free service that three times a day sends emails to anyone who signs up uh, with queries from journalists all around the world. If you can answer those queries, you can get famous. You can get in the press. It's totally free. And um, everyone wins, you know. You get quoted in the media, which helps your business. The reporter gets the story they want. What What I love about Harrow is how democratic it is, uh, especially for small businesses. You know, to connect with a journalist, it used to be – it was possible, but it was just so, so difficult. Uh, how, long, how long did it take for you to go from idea to validation to, to what Harrow <coughs> is today? Well, for me, it was really about building something to help people. And so I never really tried to make money from it in the very beginning. And so I just launched it. You know, reporters would call me and say, do you know someone who could, who could talk about this? And I'd send it to my group on Facebook, my little Facebook list. And then from there, that sort of grew up and uh, it became a real mailing list. But again, didn't really want to make any money on it. And then uh, advertisers started calling and said, hey, can we post a, a little ad on your list? And that's when I realized there might be some money in it. So, you know. From 2007, 2008 to 2010, um, Harrow made about a million dollars a year uh, in revenue. It kept growing. So a million dollars the first year, a little more the second, more the third. And then it was acquired in uh, the end of 2010. So what was the initial response of journalists and, you know, in general to, to Harrow? What, what was the feedback that you were getting? They loved it. You know, reporters were thrilled because they were able to get uh, all this great information you know, right when they needed it, right? So you have all these journalists who, who are really sort of on deadline, running, rushing their asses off, and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, guys, I have thousands of sources that know what they're talking about who can really kind of help you out. So, um, you know, why don't you try it? And I, I didn't really pitch them. I didn't try to sell them anything or, you know, I said, use it if you want. Don't use it if you don't want. I don't care. And as soon as they realized the value of it, they were like, oh, my God, this thing is great. So it was, it was kind of cool like that. Did you receive any kind of criticism uh, from people for? I mean, because you, you know, it's it's uh, it's kind of a revolutionary idea. Um, was anybody that criticized it for some reason? 
PR Newswire wasn't a big fan because they had a similar product that they charged to like ten grand a year for. <laughs> okay. So they they weren't too happy. <laughs> but everyone else everyone else loved it. So what were some of the challenges with Harrow, especially during the first couple of years? Um, I think that the biggest thing was telling people about it. You know, once people realized what it was and how it would help people, it was really easy. Um, it was really about getting that message out there. And so what I found was that the the, the better experience someone had on Harrow, the better chance they were of telling – you know, they had of telling someone about it. And that really taught me about customer service. And, and that's funny because that's what I do now. I really talk about customer service and marketing. So, you know, I learned that it's really about customer service. So, based on my research, you didn't spend much money on marketing Harrow. So, I didn't spend a penny on marketing. Uh, oh, not a penny. So, did it basically just grow by word of mouth uh, marketing, or when you got quoted in the news, when you got quoted in Harrow, you know, in the New York Times, whatever, everyone was like, "Oh my God, how'd you get quoted in the paper? Isn't that cool?" Because all you want to do is share it, right? So you'd post it everywhere. You'd be like, "Look what I did." You know, and they'd say, how that happens? Oh, I use this service called Harrow. You should sign up too. I realized that everyone loves to be a finder. Everyone loves to find new things before they become public. So that was helpful. So Harrow is kind of like a marketplace, right, <clears throat> to bring people together. And marketplaces are inherently difficult <clears throat> to build or more difficult because you have to deal with – it's almost like you have to sell something twice, um, you know, the – and did you find it difficult at all to 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 bring bring those two people together to serve the needs of two different types of um, you know you, you know the journalists and the small businesses or PR professionals? Well, because it was free, it was really easy. You know, it's like you sign up, you don't sign up. I don't have to sell you anything. We had very simple rules. You know, and the rules were like uh, make sure you you know be nice to the journalists, be nice to the, the sources. You know, the the fifth rule. There were five rules, and the fifth rule of Harrow. Honest to God, it said be excellent to each other. It's a line straight out of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You know, it was really about about playing nice. If you could play nice, you know, you you could you could be on my service. If you didn't play nice, I'd kick your ass off. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that uh, Harry was making about a million dollars a year in the first couple of uh, years. Uh, did that surprise you? Uh, oh, it shocked the hell out of me. <laughs> I didn't expect to make a penny. I didn't expect to make a penny. I. Uh, I got really lucky, you know, and, and I, I mean, I worked my ass off for it, but it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. We had a really good, uh, really good run. It was a lot of fun. So how did you have to work a lot? Uh, you mentioned you work your ass off. <laughs> what, what, what was the difficult work about it? Even though you, it sounds like you loved it and all that, but still there was a lot of hard work. I had Can to talk you... to everyone. Everyone had to be, you know, I had to explain what it was. I had to make sure that I was curating the list properly. You know, the list went out at 5.45, 12.45, and... 5.45 p.m., you know, if I wasn't up at 4.30 in the morning putting out the Harrow, people would complain, where the hell's the Harrow? What happened? You know, so, <laughs> you know, I had to be, I, I really, this was right around the beginning of social, and so I really learned to start, you know, understanding my audience and listening to my audience and things like that. Uh, so most companies do an okay job serving their customers, but they're not so great at being newsworthy. What can companies do to be newsworthy, especially small businesses? I think the best thing they can understand, the best thing to know is that, um, you know, you have this ability to tell your story and you can bore the, you bore the world with your story or you can figure out trends. You can find out what's going on in your industry that's interesting and exciting and include your company in it. When you do that, it stops becoming about you and it starts becoming a much bigger picture that includes you. Reporters like that a lot more. Mm -hmm. do, can you think of uh, an example or 
recently, maybe, or just an example that kind of stands out for a well, small I mean, company that did instance, that? There's a huge, there's a huge market. I just bought a, a drone, a camera drone, mm-hmm. um, and there's a huge market for camera drones. If I was, if I was a drone company, and I pitched it, hey, look at our drone. We have the greatest drone in the world. You know, that would more than likely no one would pay attention to that. But if I posted, hey, dear reporter, you know, I'm seeing a really interesting trend in New Jersey where more and more people are using drones to film high school athletics or using drones off their boat to film the ocean. You might be interested in that. I can find some of my customers who will be willing to talk about this new trend if you're interested in this bigger story. It seems that uh, so many companies want stuff to go viral. You know, it's almost like a disease, you know, let's let's go viral. You know, for me, it's almost like chasing something that is not there for the most part. Uh, most things never go viral and you know but but i i believe in word of mouth marketing a lot more how can we use pr to enhance word of mouth marketing or or pr is pr really can be used for that i think the best way to use pr is to in terms of growing your business is to create a uh you know create great stories allow your customers to tell these great stories you know show what the company is doing by way of how much the customers enjoy it and how much the customers are happy with it. Once you do that, it's usually a lot easier to, uh, to, to tell your story because you're not creating a uh, – it doesn't sound forced. It's the equivalent of if I go into a bar and I see a hot girl and I go, you know what? I'm awesome in bed. You should sleep with me. You know, she's, she's, not gonna, she's probably going to throw a drink in my face. Um, but if her best friend says, holy crap, that's Peter. I've heard a lot about him. You should probably go talk to him. He's pretty cool. You know, at the very least, I'm getting her number, and that's a start. Um, let's talk about social media. And uh, in your opinion, in what ways is social media misused today? <clears throat> I think the too many people are focusing on the word "me" in media, and not in the, it should be called social media. You know, okay. you should be able to talk about what's going on in your in your clients and your customers and your friends' worlds much more than you talk about what you're doing. You know, I, I spend uh, every morning, I take a half an hour and I email 10 people in my network. I just ask them, what are you working on? How can I help? You know, I don't try to sell anything. Um, uh, I just ask what's going on. And from that, I've gotten so much business and so many people remember me and talk to me and who I am and say things like that. It's pretty amazing. So when you build your network, who... How should somebody build a network? Who who should be? Let's say uh, it's a small business. Uh, what do you think is a manageable size of network? And who who should be in my network? Is it people that are potential customers? Is it influencers? It doesn't, doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter because in in two years, everyone in the world is going to be in your network. It's not. It's no longer about adding friends or clicking or you know, liking or you know confirming. It's going to be whoever you interact with. You meet a person, he's in your network. How much you interact with them, how little you interact with them, what you do with him, the sentiment of that. That'll determine where in the network they go. But in terms of um, who should be in your network, it's, it, it's irrelevant. Everyone will be in your network within 48 months. Every business, every customer, every company, every person, every ex-girlfriend, every, anyone you interact with. Why do you think so much of social media doesn't translate into sales for companies? Because people are idiots. Um, I th- I th- <laughs> Can you be more specific? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my answer. No, I think a lot of the reason is because um, people don't understand how to how to you know they hire people to handle social and they don't necessarily understand that it's it's not about creating social. It's about marketing. 
It's about selling things. You know, at the end of the day, your job is to generate revenue. And if you can't do that, you're doing it wrong. So, you know, your job is to hire people who understand marketing, not, not social media geniuses, but marketing experts. Um, can you share the the Morton's uh, story with uh, the steakhouse uh, when you and you tweeted and what was the impact of that? <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite story. Um, so I was at I was at the airport flying home and I was starving, and so I jokingly sent out a tweet said, "Hey Morton's, I'm hungry. Why don't you meet me at the airport when I land in two hours in New York with a porterhouse?" Ha 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 ha. And they went okay, and they showed up with a porterhouse, and it was mind blowing and it was totally unexpected. And they wound up with, um, I think they, they got so much press out of that. It, it was just ridiculous. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. So, you know, it, it just shows they, don't, they shouldn't have to do that every day. That's not their job. You know, their job is to create awesome steaks, and they do that already. This is just sort of an added bonus. So why do you think we don't hear more of these types of stories or – do you think companies are afraid to do this or they don't believe in They don't in believe that there's value in it. And, you know, you can show that there is. As time goes on, it's very easy to show there is value. And once they figure that out, then they start to understand a little more. Are you are you still involved with uh, Harrow? Even though it I, was no, a- I sold it. I have absolutely nothing to do with it. I am not. I, I sold it. I had a two-year earnout. It is no longer my company. Okay. Um are you working on any new ideas, or what? What do you do now? You're you're a speaker now. So, yeah, what I'm, are some of the topics that I you, do a lot you of talk things. about? I'm a speaker. I'm a consultant. Um, I run a mastermind series called Shank Minds, um, which is all you can find at shankminds.com, and that goes all over the country, uh, all over the world, actually, where we help small businesses really take it to the next level. Um, it's exciting stuff. Uh, we're having a really lot. We're having a lot of fun with that. Um, I'm doing so. I'm doing the speaking. I'm doing consulting, the masterminds. Uh, I've just written my fourth book. It comes out next winter. So I'm having a lot of fun. What is the, the new book about? The new book is called Zombie Loyalists, and it's all about creating amazing customer service um, uh, by, you know, s- such incredible customer service that your customers actually become zombies. They want to bring more customers to you. Why do you think that so many large companies have so horrible customer customer service? Because there's a huge, huge, huge disconnect between um, companies that – between the CEO who believes that everything's great and the people on the ground who know that it's not and they don't listen to each other. The CEO doesn't want to hear it. He's surrounded by yes-men. You know, they need to get their shit together and they need to understand that it's never been easier to leave a company. You know, 30 years ago, you wanted to leave a bank. You had a Take five trips to the bank. If you're a woman, forget it. You had to bring your husband. Today, I can I could switch banks and all my money and move it in two seconds by clicking a link. They got to get better. Um, what is the best advice you've ever received, Peter? Uh, fail often. Someone told me to fail often and make sure that I fail a lot and document every failure, and only then can you succeed because you learn from it. I actually created a podcast around that called the Mistake Podcast, and the Mistake Podcast every week we interview. Um, people and then ask them their biggest CEOs and ask them their biggest mistakes. What do you think is the most important thing for an entrepreneur uh, to focus on during the first one year of being in business? I think it's really about uh, getting a product out there, getting something out there that's lean, getting something out there that works, getting people to understand why it's valuable, never losing that passion, letting the people who understand why it's valuable tell your story for you. 
And what do you think is the biggest time waster for small business owners? Um, for me, it was uh, really about paying attention to what the haters said. I wasted too much time paying attention to what the haters said. Um, doing it over again, I wouldn't even bother listening to them. Well, do you have any last word of uh, wisdom for our audience about either customer service or entrepreneurship? The ex expectation of customer service and even entrepreneurship in this country is that we expect to be treated like crap. If you can figure out a way to treat your customer, if you can be one level above crap, it doesn't even have to be good. Just one level above crap. Your customers will remember you. Be five levels above crap, they'll go out of your way. They'll take a bullet for you. That's how you grow a business. Well, Peter, how can people connect with you or find out more about you or maybe uh, find out more about your upcoming book? Well, my entire life is at shankman.com. That's easy. And then um, and everything else, yeah, I mean, everything I do runs on shankman.com. Um, my Twitter handle is at Peter Shankman. I'm facebook.com slash Peter Shankman. LinkedIn.com slash Peter Shankman. You can pretty much find me in all, all the places in the world like as Peter, at, at Peter Shankman. And uh, you can email me, peter at shankman.com. I answer every email I get. Thank you very much, Peter. And everybody out there, go and check out shankman.com. Connect with Peter. Thank you for coming on Success Harbor. Pleasure was mine. Bye.